0: All my concerns about politics, all my political concerns in Ireland now that I'm far removed from it is, have they gentrified Bar And how many Charlies are there now? Uh, when I was there last, there was five. I <laughs> <My laughs> hope there is more. I think it is still five, but like, God damn it! Obviously, I haven't been out in like over a year at this point, so like, <laughs> God. Have you ever, have you ever like fallen asleep on a table at Charlies? That's just wonderful. <laughs> Like the classic move is just like, you know, keeling over like on your like you're on a school desk, but like yeah. the real move is just climbing up on the table. And like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have no idea what Charlie's is. But I type what? In and, and there's Charlie's what? one, two, three, and four. What is scrap. Yeah, it's a restaurant. Are they
0: it's it's a very bad Chinese that's open really late when the
1: club starts. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love and I love the power of any franchise that just decides to add a one yeah. to, or a number, so they're <laughs> uh, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the best. No, no, but the the
0: it's it's you won't get this from any like Google reviews or whatever, or, like <laughs> info card on Google. But the real as 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 Michael is saying, the real secret behind Charlie's is it is open after last call, which <laughs> is just the most chaotic yeah. thing you could ever experience. If you have not seen like a fight break out in the queue of Charlie's for nothing, for no discernible reason. It's like
1: Babylon. <laughs> have you ever been in Babylon on your view? babylon yeah, yeah. Oh, is the yeah. same thing but uh beside beside coppers behind coppers so the whatever street behind coppers is so fucking long oh, ago yeah, 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 yeah. um but they will play rivers of babylon every 20 minutes and like the servers <laughs> will all stand <laughs> on the tables <laughs> so it'll be what like 1 a.m happen? people will be fighting and then a fight will break out and then the rivers of babylon will come on and they will just start like laughing you have to respect <laughs> tradition.
0: Yeah. yeah, that just sounds like, oh yeah, no, uh, my real dream has always been to move to Ireland and start like a, a, a start my own business after 12 long years of working in Guantanamo Bay, working on various torture techniques. I've decided to take what I've learned and start. What is this? Like, what even is this place functionally? Is it a restaurant? It, yeah, a it's a, a chipper. It's a chipper. Post after. Oh, it's a chipper. Okay. <laughs>
1: right. There you go. Right? Did you start? uh, Is this part of the podcast or no? Yeah, this is part of the podcast, baby. We're going. Uh, (laughs) This is it. This is is the pre. This is the pre
0: music drop banner. Uh, Just to let you know that this is going to be an Irish heavy podcast. I am so sorry, Rob.
2: I'm along for the ride. (laughs) <laughs> it's the closest i'm gonna to get to 1 a.m out of charlie's <laughs> yeah exactly so i'm just yeah. just enjoying it
0: i mean i don't think you want to get any closer <laughs> oh, no, like... you do that's, what, that's what'll happen once the vaccines rolled out once we have actual immunity i'm licking the table at Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the new
1: post-vaccine strands will be emerging yeah. from <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we call it the charlie's drink <laughs> <strain>. so <Lino-chippers. laughs>
0: And there's like this huge terror for being like, no, that was Charlie's three. We're Charlie's one. This one's funny. <laughs> God, God Yeah, because one of the Charlies is across from like gay spar oh, in I Georges. Know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So that one's Oh, I missed the chaos. I miss it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! This is your weekly corner Spatie. Uh, you're joined here by uh, your regular Kieran, as also Rob is with me. Say That's hello, right. Rob. Yeah. Uh, and with us, we're doing uh, this is part two of a crossover with a very good Irish leftist podcast, socialist left podcast, Rupture Radio. And we are joined from Rupture Radio by Diarmid and Michael. Say hello, gang. Hello.
1: How's it going? Thanks, man, for having us.
0: No problem. Our pleasure. Uh, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've flown you out to Berlin. Yeah. Uh, paid uh paid for your your Schnell test. We have to fly Ryanair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have a deal with him to just do all of our business <laughs> flights with Ryanair. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, you know, despite what all the union says, he's actually a good guy. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> but um yeah, so we we have we're just off doing part one on the Rupture Radio feed. So go subscribe and listen to their podcast. Not only because you'll get to hear me me and Rob do like a regular Corner spatey European episode, but also because it's a very good podcast that talks about important and like serious stuff and is not like the chaotic mess that you expect from our podcast. <laughs> um, but we have we have Michael and uh, uh, and Dermot on to tell us uh, what's going on in Ireland. The uh, last time we talked about Ireland was the election, and as far as I understand, it's all been great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <only> went up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we just kept on winning baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, just to check in and say yeah
1: everything's fine it's going okay yeah <laughs> and then just oh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> thanks for having us on <laughs> no but i think like uh, picking up i think picking up from the election me and michael were like trying to decide where to even fucking start and i think it's yeah. mainly picking up there was like a build-up in the build-up to that election. The mm. one of our right-wing parties. We are also a country dominated by two right-wing parties traditionally that alternate back and forth, and one of them, yeah. fall had been in government, um, and we're coming out on a low. People want to change and things like that, I think and again, it was expected. We're in yeah, ah, fall which is the. Oh yeah, sorry. Túró, Fianna Gael. Oh, oh yeah. And and then actually, I want to bring this up because everyone who
0: listened to the Irish episode that we did before was just like, "I can't keep track of all the party names.
1: They all okay. sound the same to me." <laughs> <laughs> it happens
0: to us too, baby. Don't worry about it. Right, to clarify,
1: Fianna Gael and then Fianna Fail yeah. um, yeah. would and Fianna Gael were in the government, and Fianna Fall were expected to like come into a wave and then to, we were going to alternate as tradition. Um, but yeah. Sinn Féin, who most would be familiar with, um, and who were kind of mm-hmm. like left populist or left nationalist as the mo- at the moment, surged and some thought that they might go into government. But the, the two right-wing parties, kind of in consideration of this, um, but also like feeling some change Uh, and wanting to keep power for a long time, uh, got the help of the Green Party, who's always kind of played a a mudguard role, and then they jumped in bed with the two other right-wing parties. So that's our current government, and it's been going bad. I I think just one
0: thing to add to that as well is an important part of that story is that when uh the co- coronavirus crisis hits last last march mm. no new government has been formed and so fine Gael are in power and they kind of got a huge bounce from a very kind of rally round the flag effect um of appearing to be dealing with the crisis in, yeah. in, in a competent manner um so when the government was actually formed despite the fact that fianna fall were the largest party in terms of seats um and, and Michal Martin who was the Fianna Fáil leader is indeed now the And um, Fine Gael are, are, were and still are very much in a position of strength with regard to Fianna Fáil because they're much more popular in terms of polls like Fine Gael are normally at, at about 30% at the moment whereas Fianna Fáil, about 15-16 have gone as low as like 12 or 11 so it, 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 the, the, the coronavirus crisis, crisis very much changed the situation a lot I would say I have referred to Leo as the T Shock like multiple oh, yeah. times by mistake. <laughs> as has Miho Martin. Was, uh, the, the actual T Shock. Like, it is the most pathetic
1: thing ever because the yeah. leader of Fiend Fall, who is actually the T Shock, <laughs> will as well uh, refer to Leo Varadkar oh. as the T Shock when he's talking about him Beautiful. and then be like, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm the T Shock. Uh, and it's just it's extremely <laughs> sad, which reflects like an extremely kind of hollow but sad man in Miho Martin. Uh, if There really is, like, uh, the power behind the throne is Varadkar, um, to an extent. Fianna Gael, anyway, and it's really Fianna Gael's agenda which has been playing out. They're, like, a, a traditionally, like, neoliberal capitalist party, and they have... Not the Fianna Fall aren't, there, there is only minor differences between the two, uh, but they've yeah, certainly set the agenda going forward.
0: Yeah, like, I think Fianna Fáil, I probably have slightly more populist instincts like sl- slightly tiny bit um and have historically like back in the 30s and the 50s done things like build loads of houses whereas Finnegale, very much traditional capitalist than than neoliberal party um, and that's very much the, the the agenda that's been followed um yeah like fianna Fáil, if i remember kind of like history or like one of the distinguishing factors of them is they have they tend more to like campaign left more yeah. so than get
1: yeah kind of populist meps- messaging always um there's a, like so phoenix fall for an extended period would have been like everyone to or sorry everything to everyone and that kind of encapsulated their base was like both working class people would have voted for them uh, and also like in middle class or affluent areas um, or the kind of business vote would have voted for them and they were able to maintain that coalition but that coalition has been completely hollowed out after like the crash in 2008 which they had their like grubby hands all over because their uh, like corruption caused a lot of the um, the presa- like the preset to the-, the crash and then the bailing out of the banks and stuff left people with like a very bitter taste towards them. Yeah
0: uh yeah i i think that kind of like mirrors what we we talked about last time we talked about ireland we 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 did mention this kind of the background of this election uh it's interesting you so said the base hollowed out because yeah now that you kind of <laughs> say it it seems like the working class aspect that were fianna Fail voters have maybe gone Sinn fein and then yes. the, like business class have gone Fine Gael. yeah I, i'd say that's that's very much the case that like what you've really seen um in time like before we get on to what the government has actually done, but, like, what Fine Gael have very much been consciously doing has been, like, playing up, like, how threatening Sinn Féin are. And it's not about, like, trying to stop people voting Sinn Féin. It's about trying to, like, take away the rest of the Fianna Fáil vote because they're the only ones who will um, oppose Sinn Féin. So you're seeing kind of very much... Lines being drawn for the next election, and um, that it will probably be Sinn Fein versus Fine Gael, and, and, and Fianna Fáil will probably get even more squeezed out than, than they already are being. You'd love to see it.
1: <laughs> it, it. It's it's extremely grim as well, because you've also like moving into that base, you've seen Sinn Fein. So Sinn Fein have always been kind of amorphous. There's a good Jacobin article by Dan Finn, who we would have had on the podcast, who I think he describes them as like the changeable, the ever changeable Sinn Fein or something like that, where um they will go through periods of being uh, quite anti establishment, quite maybe even having like radical proposals and things like that. But when Jerry Adams stepped in uh, in the mid was it 2000s 2010s it's, it's been a while 2010s I think He, he it was 2016 he, I think, he was was 2016, think was yeah, 2016. Sorry, it was very yes, yes, yeah. recent it was after the it
0: was after the disastrous local yeah. elections or something well it? he was coming no. to his
1: end of age wise and stuff anyway so yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: no, the, he stepped down before those local elections okay, yeah. and, and European right. elections. Um, uh, yeah, that, okay. That's part of why the Sinn Féin surge was such a surprise because yes. they had done quite poorly in the 2019 elections there. Right.
1: Yeah. And with that move, you've kind of seen like a move towards the center in some aspects for Sinn Féin um, as they try and like take on that coalition um, that Fianna Fáil used to hold. Now, they are they are better in aspects than Fianna Fáil in terms of, like, housing and um, owing more to their, to their like, traditional position. Um, but it's, that's kind of where things are moving, where Sinn Féin are moving more to the centre-left and Fianna Gael are going to occupy the space to the centre-right, I imagine, with a few different groups. And then you have a socialist left to the to the left of Sinn Féin operating in that space.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think it's just, just on Sinn Féin, I do think it's worth noting that their voting base is, like, riddled with contradictions. Yes. Um, because a lot of the people who would have voted for them in this election working class a lot of predominantly young people who are like you know quite left-wing um who don't necessarily care that much about the nationalism like you know probably wouldn't mind the united ireland but it's not like that high on the agenda um whereas institutionally that is a thing the party cares about a lot and then a lot of their kind of traditional voting base would be much more attached to to, to the nationalism in that way. And I think, I mean, we, we'll probably talk about this later when we, when we discuss the far right, but like they do kind of absorb a demographic that would be voting like, I don't know, like UKIP or, or Front National in, in in another country as well. So at some point, those contradictions are going to have to, to come to a head. They've managed to balance it pretty okay thus far, but we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think the example I always give to people when explaining that is like one of the splits from Sinn Féin kind of result resulted in one of like the most right-wing parties we have sitting in parliament, like to. Yeah, um, which is uh, kind of explains that as well. I think the other thing I often brought up about the last election um, was for the first time I think in Irish electoral history the Sinn Féin second preference vote did not overwhelmingly go to finna Fall it went to people before profit yes which mainly. yeah which uh shows like a change in like who's voting for Sinn Fein yeah like i think it, not lots of left or, or even like notionally left um, TDs got elected off the Sinn Fein transfer, like great, a lot of Greens mm. and a lot of Social Democrats um, as well. Although, not that we would consider the Greens to be especially left <laughs> anymore. Um, yeah. um, I suppose that that kind of is a good lead into kind of talking about things the the, the, the government has done, um, and like where 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 do we even start? Like, I think. A, <laughs> A good place to start is um, the the Golfgate scandal back back in August. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just like incredible content. But basically, what happened was this was, um, you know, August. Obviously, restrictions were like a little bit looser, but you know, they were still in effect. You still couldn't have lots of people gathering in one room, um, in in one room, um, and uh, the Oroctus Golfing Society. So the Aractus is like the haunted the term, parliament. Like, very yeah. bad
1: label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um
0: they had a dinner uh, after their golf classic um in a hotel in in Clifton in 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 Galway um and there was like tens of people there. I was like completely against the um the regulations and just like a a, a kind of like a who's who of people from yeah. like all the all the different parties and of course no, most notably former former EU commissioner um Phil Hogan uh was was there, um, yes. and just like the 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 fallout of that was like like obviously initially like like a lot of people were had to resign whatever roles they had, but initially Phil Hogan was like resisting resigning, and then like he, it was like each day he kept being more and more incriminated in like tiny little petty ways <laughs> that he had been like uh, like like so 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 he had said that like oh, he hadn't broken um any regulations by traveling too far but like it turned out he was caught um using his phone in in his car um in a county that was currently in a localized lockdown at that point in time so just like <laughs> loads of like nonsense stuff like that um so that was kind of like the beginning of like the well not even the beginning but just kind of like signified a lot of the the, the general clownery that 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 was happening just, at the time like
1: just on that um so the golf society like i think this is an insane... Uh, like, a, an insane scandal, because... Like, at the Oireachtas Golfing Society was major or or prominent politicians from both the right-wing parties, a Supreme Court judge, media heads, the then European commissioners, Michael said, of trade, head bankers and lobbyists were guests. And it's like, that is just like the absolute death of subtext in terms of like an extremely on-the-nose illustration Mm -hmm. of power relations in our society with all these people effectively drawing from like the same golden circle with the same entitlements (laughs) and the same interests. And that is like... like it's an is- illustration of how Irish politics, or how, what influences like the government parties at this stage. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the
0: the list of people you're just bringing off is just like yeah, we had like this court judge, media heads, yes. uh, the monopoly man, <laughs> <Mr>. Pinoch, <laughs> Dracula, <laughs> <laughs> <It's-> yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is like something like if somebody had like a really unsophisticated understanding of like marxism and they were trying to explain how yes. things work like that's how they would explain things but it is actually like true in this particular instance <laughs> um but like yeah so 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 that's kind of like the first big scandal but then um the main thing that 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 that's happening uh, like after i think regardless of the truth of the matter i think the general perception um of how the government had handled coronavirus initially um, in the first lockdown, was that they had done, like, relatively competently as compared to, like, the yeah. US or the UK especially. Um, but what we started to see more and more was them just, like, ignoring um NFET, which is, like, the the kind of public health team who are in charge of the crisis from a public he- health point of view, just starting to ignore their advice. Um, so you had a thing... Where back at the the beginning of October, the end of September, um, the Fed had rec- have recommended moving back to a full lockdown, um, and the government not only kind of like ignored this. You had like Leo Varadkar going on national television, like trashing Tony Holohan, mm. who's like the the head of hen of N-FET, um. And just calling it like an ill-thought-out recommendation, um, only to then move to full lockdown two weeks later, anyway, right? Like you, you just have this like <laughs> constant, like I think a running theme has been the government has taken a position on something where everybody knows in a week or two they're going to have to do a U-turn, but they keep, but they do it anyway, and then they do the U-turn anyway. It's 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 it, it has been the most frustrating thing. Like beautiful. um yeah i i do kind of remember Golfgate as just being like as as you rightly said not the beginning of this but definitely like the most dramatic uh Um, beginning of just like yeah yeah, that that was a the the cracks in the seams were kind of like being broken open (laughs) yeah uh yeah um wait i actually i have a question on
2: this point because one thing that's kind of bothered me about um like, take the Germany's response to the coronavirus, for example. I, I remember Germany was, like, highly praised, what, in yeah. summer last year for, like, doing the right thing, this and that. Like, I mean, um, you'd, you'd see it in, in the U.S. media a lot. Like, you know who's really doing this well is Germany. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, one little thing shifts and then cases are breaking out everywhere in Germany. So it seems to me that a lot of it's just luck. <laughs> and, and the media is just, you know, I mean, it's just another place, right? So you can just yeah. say, hey... Look, this other country seems to be doing it well without really any needing to offer any proof. Uh, I don't know if you think that applies to Ireland or, or what.
0: Yeah. yeah, sorry. Go on, go on, Dermot.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, like I think it, you should probably know more about this, but it seems that like it is selectively chosen what is the the model country. I know early Sweden was talked about, especially by like the the right wing governments uh, or sorry the right wing parties, and there's one particularly funny like just very hollow Fine Gael politician own uh, murphy who was the former minister for housing and obviously hated because that uh, for that reason because we've like a housing crisis ongoing for the last mm. 2000 years um but <laughs> why is caron in germany yeah, yeah, <laughs> but would have been uh, like an advocate of the swedish model of like opening up and and that that's not a big issue i think mm. uh, a big focus in ireland at the moment or the kind of struggle <laughs> is i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry I love that the Minister of Housing was a big advocate of the Swedish model of, like,
0: response to the coronavirus. But, <laughs> but, but not fancy. <laughs> <housing. laughs> exactly not the Swedish <laughs> not the <laughs> <housing>. <laughs> he's, not, uh, he's not Minister of Housing yeah. anymore, so now he can start
1: talking about Scandinavian countries again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah but the big thing at the moment there's like a the socialist left have been pushing zero covid strategy for a long time with like focus on uh new zealand or vietnam or even china to an extent uh or australia too and of like completely crushing the virus and that has been like a, there's been an upsurge in support for it uh, it was originated with the socialist left parties and has been taken up by like more centrist parties now like soc dems or labor um but but it uh It hasn't, like, caught on to an extent yet uh, because it's a bit, like, hack, and I think Michael said it earlier. Like, if you want a very rudimentary Marxist understanding of things, um, it is quite clear in Ireland how much of governmental policy is more than anything driven by, like, capital at large or like mostly in the form of like uh, the pub lobby so p- pubs and restaurants or big agri business or corporate landlords and then multinational companies so and that's like that goes into why we're like a tax haven that can't do lockdown for an extended period because of pubs and restaurants interests or solve the housing crisis or down the line like implement any environmental measures and that is the big like struggle at the moment trying to overcome those interests yeah and it's just
0: just going back to um, the the point Rob made about like the the, the look of things like th- like when when a lot of people were advocating for zero COVID or just trying to criticize the government in general in the autumn you had. All these kind of prominent people on Twitter and journalists, especially kind of like running interference for the government, essentially Mm. being like, oh, you can't, you can't really criticize the government, given we have like the best kind of record on COVID in Europe. And this was like in December. And then like within three weeks, we had like the worst record (laughs) (laughs) of COVID in Europe. Um, And I think this kind of speaks to like, like... Uh, D- D- Dierman was like quite rightly talking about like how the attitude to how, how we should do lockdown has been in many senses dictated by the hospitality industry um and just the general demands of being a quote unquote open market economy uh, in 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 Europe at the moment um but it also it, it also just seems that like their their understanding of 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 their own interests is just like really dumb as well because this like constant series of like rolling lockdowns is like isn't good for these industries right like if we had done like a harsher lockdown initially they probably would be in a better place in order to be to be making money um but it just it just seems like they're all kind of like blinded by this like petty short-termism and i think like one manifestation of this—this this is like a, a tiny thing. It's not really important at all, but it just makes me irrationally <laughs> mad. Is that like in at in in January? Um, notionally, as like a, 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 this this was like a move that was supposed to be like you know like enforcing lockdown properly stopping mm. like people having house parties Um, the government banned like supermarkets like offering deals on buying multiple bottles of beer right like you could no longer get like four yes. craft <laughs> beers for like a tenner or whatever <laughs> <just Yes>. a... <laughs> and like the sole reason that is the case is because the the like the, the publicans the, the pub industry like yeah. and they, they've been pushing this for years like they've been trying this to happen, get this to happen for years <laughs> and they've seen this as, like, a way to kind of sneak it in. And it's just oh it's just so dumb because you can still buy like cheap alcohol or whatever it's just like yeah, yeah. anyway
1: I won't. you just can't get a I deal no, no, on I... it so you're forced to yeah. buy the bad stuff yeah.
0: um. no no for, for, for our European listeners this yeah. this brings us to a long tradition in Irish <laughs> modern political economy which is you can solve every problem by tweaking the prices of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> you need to tax like you need to raise money for a program sure just raise the price of alcohol and cigarettes again yeah. uh, What what is the primary result of that well i alcoholics are now like destitute (laughs) but (laughs) now we can now we can have like an underground in dublin will we no (laughs) 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 it's german efficiency (laughs) yeah oh and Uh, also make sure the pubs and clubs close earlier and earlier as well yeah exactly yeah (laughs) can you make it to the pub before 5 p.m no well too bad it's closed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's what like michael touched on it there the whole thing about like there's been like a specter of house parties which are just invoked Uh, Every couple of (laughs) months... Like, whenever things take a turn for worse... Like, we had the like many other countries in in europe and it was it was well um illustrated that this was coming down the line that the meat factories would be a big issue and the nursing homes would be a big issue and we had monstrous outbreaks in both of those causing massive issues but you still had uh like uh, media heads writing up articles like those damn kids having house parties have doomed us all or just like angrily tweeting about like Oh, I'm fuming on Saturday night thinking about all the house parties that are taking place when we're all sacrificing. And it's just been like constant interference from the media, but also from the government to just like peddle notions uh, like unrealities in terms of like schools are fine, but uh, there's monstrous house parties coming happening and it's just it's very tiring. It has
0: been the epitome of like making up a guy to get mad at. Like, the, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the, the... there is a specter haunting <laughs> Ireland. The specter of free yeah. gas. <laughs>
2: a new level of interactivity to it all. There, uh, I, I did want to mention that the no COVID or zero COVID did launch at, at least some form of it in Germany or the German-speaking okay. countries. Um, I want to say a month ago, but it didn't really get very far. Um, it did mm. um, get big enough that. At least Jens Spahn, the health minister, had to say, "Well, that won't work here." Yes, um, that's what we've got. <laughs> but not not much more than that, as far as I know. Yeah,
0: I think the German excuse from like Jens Spahn, our health minister, has been like, "We border a million countries, mm. or like yeah. something to that extent," uh, because Germany is mostly a landlocked country. So it's like we can't do this. It's what th- th- there is like...
1: landlocked countries that have have pursued it though, and like that's the big cop out yeah. for. Ireland too or the uh, current Irish government which is like they only ever reference the north uh, when it's like as a kind of explainer of why we can't do something, so the big explainer now of why we can't pursue zero COVID is because oh well we have a border with the north and and you'd have people coming in there, but like there's plenty of countries which have done like local borders, like one section can be the north of the country, one can be the south, east and west, mm-hmm. and you operate on those grounds. But of course, yeah, it's just not possible according to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and I think it's like as well as the north thing, they just. Reject the idea of like mandatory quarantine out of hand, which I think like it speaks to like a wider kind of issue, which is that like it's not just that like the government are like evil mustache twirling capitalists, although you know, some of them may- maybe they are. Yeah, it's yeah. that like they're like it's it, their ideological imagination is so restricted, like they're genuinely incapable of conceptualizing. Solutions that don't fit in the kind of traditional liberal fl- framework, um, and even within that, it's like completely incoherent. Like, because you've had lots of people, lo- lots of government people, like Leo Varadkar saying, "Oh, mandatory quarantine is like too much of an infringement on personal uh, freedom," and also that it, like, you know, would be xenophobic to to do this. But then today, the government like released a list of countries that will have like mandatory mm. quarantine, and like most of them just happen to be Af- in in Africa, right? Like, 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 in what sense is that? <laughs> Hot, like incredibly xenophobic you know oh that's really funny because i have yeah. like i have i have friends with like you know family in africa and they're just like constantly calling them being like are all your friends dead yet because they are. it's yeah. like from african yeah. perspective europe is fucked yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah.
1: well it's grim because yeah. you hear from people saying that like around december time when we ended up being uh the worst that ireland was being used as like a cautionary tale that like oh you shouldn't open because you'll be as fucked as they are um and although mm. we're like we're starting to um contain the virus to an extent we've gone down from the like 5000s f- 4000s and even like 6000s uh back down to like 500 and 600s now and again you're having people calling for like oh we should open as soon as possible uh even though we're just <laughs> doomed to repeat this over and over again seemingly yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, before we move on from coronavirus response, I want to ask about uh, one particular character, mainly because I kind of like I missed this uh, uh, the the Irish uh, Twitter uh, response to him recently, um, and I would like you to explain it to me. <laughs> Stephen Donnelly. Yeah,
1: I knew it was oh. going to be Stephen Donnelly. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. did you like this? such <laughs> such I, a I, like. just
0: quickly can I just quickly say to Rob about something I learned very great from uh rupture radio recently that literally stopped me in my tracks and made me go no in my kitchen was that uh, uh Stephen Donnelly is a um McKinsey and Company yes. guy. Sure. Uh, yes. yeah sure, why not. So, because Irish libel libel law exists to be weaponized against people. All I can say is just go read McKinsey and Company's Wikipedia article. <laughs> uh, <laughs> particularly the controversy section. Have fun with that one. Uh, but yeah, Stephen Donnelly. He, yeah. You know, pr- so like, I think when he kind of got involved with party politics in Ireland, everyone was like, oh, this guy was a consultant. He must be really smart yeah, and yeah. like must be really good at doing stuff. Um, but he has... Like, I like. I would say, like, out of many kind of strong candidates, he's he's definitely appeared to be like the the dumbest person <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this whole process for like just a variety of reasons. So, like, his, historically, where he comes from was he was one of the founding members of the the Social Democrats, mm. um, but then very quickly decided to jump ship to Fianna Fáil, um, where he kind of thought he ha- would have a better chance of getting power and when the new government formed um he became minister for health um so the 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 recent controversy um which <laughs> is just like well it's not a controversy it's just funny um yes. was so back in 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 the autumn when cases were starting to go, go, go up again um So the the media kind of got hold of text messages between him and the chief medical officer, uh, Tony Holohan, who's also in charge of uh, NFET, um, and was basically um, like, you know, text between him and Tony Holohan texting him saying like, you know things are getting pretty bad now can you like make sure to to emphasize that uh in in, in your briefings and just doesn't reply for a few days and then he's like oh the uh, the or number has gone up to i can't remember the exact number but it's gone up to like a very very high number and Stephen donnelly just replies with like a thumbs up emoji um, and this gets <laughs> this gets released to the media so and this was about two weeks ago so then for about a week every time Stephen donnelly would like tweet something everybody in irish twitter would just Reply with like thumbs up emojis to him (laughs) the entire time. But then, like, what I like, there's a lot of things I could focus on and talking about him. But like one particular thing I'm um, gonna focus on is in um, in October when the sec the second lockdown had just been announced. Um, so obviously, people were like quite annoyed at the government. Everyone is wasn't in a great place. He released this video on Twitter, which was like <laughs> Stephen Donnelly has been health minister for 100 days. Here are all the great things that he's achieved. And then it just like ends with like you know a picture of him being again. It's like and he. He's just getting started this is just, <laughs> like, I, I encourage just read the room
1: to type in uh Stephen donnelly trampoline interview where oh, the person yeah. asks Sorry. him uh, like they're asking him so we're reaching a really really dangerous stage um i can't re- remember the exact context but she's saying like do you not think this is like inherently dangerous for you to open things up or something like that and he says well um, w- life is full of inherent dangers. Driving is uh, dangerous. Uh, trampolines are dangerous. And then he like, <laughs> and then he like makes a face like a malfunctioning robot, kind of half smile. Uh, just like watch any of his things because he's, he's just a, like a mannequin esque politician. So he 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 desperately lacks
0: charisma. Uh, well, that's has been the fall. Yeah, but like. Yeah, the the kind of broken robot. It it is kind of like I don't want to hark on like a particularly a right wing meme, but there is kind of like an NPC kind of (laughs) aspect to him of he just like.
2: Oh sure, yeah, I see that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it it feels like it's you've entered in a query into the video game like you've you're playing a text adventure game and you've typed something you weren't meant to type the thing is like it's it's he's i think he's kind of like awkward enough that it's not that he is an npc or whatever it's that he's like trying to blend in as an npc yes. <laughs> like he's trying to be one <laughs> yeah. That was a good tactic, yes. yeah. yeah. The game The
2: game fuck-up you're referring to, Kieran, is that the health minister has to deal with the pandemic. That was not yeah. planned. That was not a part of the, the, the programming.
1: See, his yeah, whole thing yeah, he's was to that he like, slip thought, it to the background. I'm going to go from a top consultancy job uh, tried out the social democrats because he thought that that would take off and then when it didn't take off he quickly switched out for fina fall because he knew that would be his like next step into being uh, a minister which he got but he's also been excoriated for that too but he sees himself as just like uh, like elevating or falling upwards throughout and uh, obviously it's not going as swimmingly as you might have thought
0: i love the 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 uh, i can't remember who the interview was with who the interview was with, but, like, the interview where he switched from Social Democrats to Fianna Fáil. Vincent, Vincent Brown. Brown. Vincent Brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vincent yeah. Brown, who, like, calls him out for this incredibly transparent,
1: Oh, yeah, like, opportunistic move. Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly, yeah, because I went from this, like... Like, if you start, like, this new fledgling party, whatever you want to say of the Social Democrats you really have to believe in the project, not Mm. jump ship to, like, the
1: largest party (laughs) in the country. (laughs) Well, and he has interviews from that time where uh, I think he wrote it in the independent or it was an interview or something like that where he because uh, like I said Fianna Fáil, party of corruption in the 2000s he called them like yeah. he called them that and said that like they're all about jobs for the boys and two fingers to the doll yeah. the party of brown envelopes pra- party of brown envelopes and Vincent Brown like reads yeah. this quote off to him and then he's like and then you joined them are you not embarrassed <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's just very good and interview. he said it's a bit like a trampoline you see you never know where dangerous. you'll land
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that like to speak into a wider narrative though the the like trying to compare coronavirus deaths to like traffic accidents deaths mm. is something i'm also seeing a lot in the UK mm. of just like people who write these opinion articles being like i'd really like the news to stop talking about covid yeah. can this just become like a background statistic now because like a lot of people do die in traffic accidents uh but it's never a news story and that's the way that some of these people want it now
1: yeah it's it's kind of the the alternative to something like zero COVID, where you take like a very methodical approach to stomping things out and ensuring that public health is maintained is this whole thing about living with COVID, which was actually Mm. the tagline of the one of the government's things like they thought we will actually call one of these brochures living with the deadly pandemic that's killing like (laughs) killing your grandparents (laughs) in old folk or in uh Whatever they're called, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in homes, sorry, and uh, nursing homes, nursing homes yeah. and also like destroying uh, your life. We're just gonna live with that, uh, and you should yeah. be like just taken, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah, you've invited the xenomorph in from fucking Alien, and you want to act like it's Alf. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's, it's not working. <laughs> this is my '90s reference. Get used to it. <laughs> Alf was the '80s. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I, I, last thing before we go on to like the next big topic uh, which uh, I've been told is going to bum out uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rob, more uh, more. is something we haven't mentioned which is Green's involvement in all of this, I think we talked about the two monster parties of Fina and Finnegale, but uh, yeah, the Greens have not been uh, well okay, I'm old enough to remember Shout the Sea yeah. but yeah. some people are surprised by Green's uh, <laughs> turn uh, uh, to not being as left wing as maybe they initially promised yeah like i think like i, like, I also remember like the, the first time i could i could vote was like the 2011 general election which was when mm. the greens like lost all their seats because of like they had been, they had gone into coalition with fianna fall before that um but i th- so I, I think what happened was like quite a lot of young people joined um the green party who maybe weren't well like you know a lot of them probably do remember that but like kind of thought they could turn the greens into, to more of a left wing force. Um, but in reality it's, it's remained a very kind of like centrist party that at least that, that cares about the environment. Um, to some extent it kind of always has been that it's, um, it's leadership is that, um, and that's very much like the role they've, they, they, they fulfilled. Um, they've lost like a lot of members and like a lot of people who campaigned for them in the last election on the basis that they were more left wing. Um, Mm but yeah they've gotten very little out of this government like they got a climate change bill which hasn't really done much and they've had like just a series of like humiliations of like voting for policies and and doing things in government that um most of their members would find to be like pretty horrific like yeah i think the the cartoonish example i remember is uh Eamon Ryan, the leader of the
1: Greens, yeah. fallen asleep during an important. Oh, fight. yeah. No, he's had like a, a series of unfortunate. Like, that is Eamon Ryan. Like, a very. He presents himself as like a, a Ned Flanders esque, modest character who just wants the best for everybody and, like, oh, I don't think we need to. We don't need to cause any trouble. We'll just get this done. But, like, also has a, a series of blunders. Like, he said, a, a slur in the doll um, and then fall asleep during one of the, like, most massive. Uh, votes uh, on workers' rights I believe and paying student nurses fell asleep during that during a pandemic because student nurses were like working for nothing essentially Um, but like the whole thing about the Greens ties in with uh, the next thing that we want to talk about, which is like kind of mm. the biggest thing in the mm. Irish news at the moment, although it's been delayed, it's going to come back up. And I think it's it's going to be all around Europe as as, as far as I'm aware. And that is uh, CEDA, which is the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement, which is basically an, an EU-Canada uh, trade deal, which has some mm. like very uh, sinister terms within it. And really, it's like f- a further empowerment of business, um, which affects like governmental policy and public policy and things yeah. like housing and health and what it does is it, it sets up a new legal body outside of the ecj called the investment court which uh, which effectively allows like s- companies to sue states for profits lost uh through government intervention through an adjudicative process called the uh, system investor state uh, dispute settlement isds and like I- examples of this that people point towards is like Philip Morris which was a is a big tobacco company was able to use uh, a similar ISDS process in another international treaty to sue Australia for 39 million 39 million for bringing in legislation forcing the company uh, tobacco companies to use plain packaging and like we currently so that's obviously a massive issue for environmental measures because any environmental measures will impact on the uh, profits of like uh, oil and gas companies or, or anything like that um, and the Greens had a history uh, in the after the 2011s and Eamon Ryan especially of opposing this and saying it would be disastrous for the environment and things like that but now as the Greens usually do now that they're in government they're happy to say like oh it's changed it's it's so much better now <laughs> and we're happy to to take it in and some of the media and the way that they've posed this is that it's grand now because there's no protections for some areas like at the environment and health but that's like these even those protections are massively flawed and at base the ics is like literally designed to like challenge and chip away at national government's ability yeah. to implement national policy and that's just like it's extremely grim um but that is like the nature of the discussion at the moment and we've had uh, in recent memory like a lot of things just dr- like rammed through because of the pandemic they're able to get away with it the, uh, the there's there's like two things that
0: i want to I say with first of all, the, the main left opposition to CETA is being very angry that it doesn't stand for Canadian-European trade agreement. <laughs> <and> <laughs> making me look like a fool at that party that one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but secondly, like uh, the, the just kind of like something from Twitter earlier today, but this does remind me that, I don't know if anyone else remembers because it was very niche news, but like EMI, the record company, right. tried to sue Ireland once before. Yes, I remember for
1: mm. streaming.
0: Yeah, for not like cracking down on piracy yeah. enough, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in those days, the EU kind of stepped in and said you can't sue a country, fuck off. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now that's like changing, and related to this, one of the most dystopian things I saw today is um, cops in the United States are now starting to blare like Beatles music when they're yeah. doing dodgy shit. Oh Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> so what? that like copyright automation ah. bots will like take no down way. your Instagram videos. Uh, of this because there'll be Beatles playing in the background. God, event. that's that is like that's diabolical. Like that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, also, I, re- I read incredibly that just... cyberpunk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I couldn't fully process it just because of how, like, to just picture the situation where I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw one where they're playing uh, Sublime while arresting somebody, and like, I just couldn't like just to wrap my head around the the situation, just the like aesthetics of the situation. I, it was too depressing. That is <laughs> so too I, like I, I literally <laughs> forgot I about it until you brought the... it up again.
0: The, I do believe the current rights holders of the Beatles back catalogue is EMI. <laughs> yeah. Oh <my> <laughs> <laughs> so, woo! <laughs> I love that. But yeah, that does seem very... I'm sorry, it just seems stupidly cyberpunk to me. I'm just like, all right, I'm entering into this tactical situation. Now to play the magical Beatles shield. <laughs> but in the new protocol <laughs> now, it's yeah. turn
1: off the body cam, turn on the radio, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's just shockingly bad. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, yeah. like, yeah. But, but like, uh, in an Irish context... Some of the like most threatening things is mm. um, so big corporate landlords like Ires rate um, and the companies supplying direct provision, which is like the Irish system of asylum seeking accommodation, yeah. aren't covered by these protections. Um, meaning that they could sue the government if they sought to like intervene and, and solve the either the housing crisis or like to implement a mo- like a far more humane uh, processing system for asylum seekers.
0: Huge. And yeah, it's like the I'm like I don't know like like everybody kind of knows the these ISDs stuff is like dodgy but like you still get, um, like for example, the Irish Times, one of the main Irish broadsheets, published an editorial today, being like, "Oh, we should just like accept CETA because um the ISDS has been like watered down in 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 recent times." And mm-hmm. oh, you know, Australia may have been sued, but sure they won that case and they got awarded they got awarded costs, which like ignores the fact that like that was used as a precedent, like as a basically like a a, a legislative chilling effect, really mm-hmm. that prevented other countries from trying to do it because Philip Morris threatened to, I think. It was it was togo they threatened to sue and togo wasn't able to to, <laughs> but to classically fight that case. togo is yeah. a more powerful country than australia so <laughs> yeah. they'll be fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> no exactly um but then it's but, but it's it, it's also like if 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 the if, if if these kind of court settlement bodies for investors like aren't going like aren't going to do anything controversial or or then or, or they're never going to find in favor of like the the corporations above like the public good or, or public legislate or public policy or whatever like why mm. why would they exist in the first place right what, what's the need for them if not for them to stop the public good being pursued you know
2: yeah it's a, did,
0: yeah don't worry about that like the irish yeah. times piece being like don't worry about it it's useless why do we need it yeah <laughs> but it's useless <laughs>
2: yeah I just, I just want to clarify here because the agreement's a few years old right like 2016 2017 mm. and i maybe i'm just cynical but i'm used to these agreements coming and going like well more bad shit's happening can't keep track of that <laughs> but as, as i understand it maybe one of you can clarify it's um like a lot of the elimination of tariffs and all that is already implemented. But I don't know who makes the decision, the European Commission or the European Court of Justice. They said, well, the ISDS agreement is like, I don't know what to call it, such a big step that it has to be individually ratified by by each of the countries. And that's why it's, you know, there's even the opportunity to debate it and and potentially stop
0: it. Yeah.
1: And at the moment, so pressure built up on, Pressure built up on the parties and apparently the Green Party were going to split. Um, It's hard to tell to the extent that that was true, but that's led to this being deferred now and it's going to go to committee level, which in generally in Ireland, that just means it'll be discussed for a while and we'll end up back in the same situation again. But it does give... um, it does give uh, like activist groups time to kind of mobilize or seek to mobilize. I know it's tough to do that during a pandemic uh, against it, but yeah, it's it's yeah. really hard yeah. to avoid these things.
0: And just yeah, just answer Rob's question there. My my understanding is basically that like the ta- all the tariff stuff dealt with like trade things that um, deal with competencies that have been like delegated to the EU by, by by national governments. But the reason it needs to be debated at national levels is because do interfere with national law beyond just the areas in which the eu is already considered competent that, that that's my understanding anyway right uh ireland also like i'm not sure if this particularly applies to CETA but ireland does have this um does have like a unique role within european politics of due to the caveat of anything that happens to our constitution has to be ratified by referendum oh yeah mm. yeah um does mean that if anything happens on an eu level that would change our constitution means that there is like this public plebiscite uh, means of like gumming up the works so like ireland is this like weird um despite its small population and whatnot is actually this like weird kind of pivotal player in getting major like reforms done in the eu level yeah, like, because we voted down the, the Lisbon Treaty initially, there had to be a few reforms to it before we voted again. Yeah. I can't remember the specifics of those reforms, but, like, there were some uh, certainly... It,
1: Neutrality base, was one of them. Yeah,
0: it got yeah. us out of, like, being directly involved yeah. in EU conflicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, li- listen to our bonus episode about uh, <laughs> European defence that we did recently with uh, <laughs> with Ted, actually, because uh, we, we talked about, like, how everyone kind of ignores... We're talking about EU defense, that, like, Austria, uh, Sweden, and Ireland are functionally neutral countries mm. within the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, I, right, so, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, just on the last thing for Sita, is, like, I think it's reflective of the model of, like, the way the EU kind of imposes this stuff on it, in that uh, it is, like, an overtly neoliberal kind of construct, but it, it does it in such an incremental way that it will just like, knock back member states over time and even though, like, there is massive resistance in Ireland at the moment it's still likely to pass because uh, the parties, like there's a majority in favour of it more than likely, uh, or a voting majority anyway, and, uh and, and that's just the way it will be. Like it's going to be a marathon towards something awful, rather than just like right off the bat. It's like what Rob was saying. You just kind of take it over time, and it's it's yeah, it's really unfortunate and kind of grim. But uh, that, but that's the way it is. There's a, a lighter topic next. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, welcome to Cornish Beatty, If any of you are Rupture Radio listeners, um, it, it is grim. But there is some um, there are some idiots that we can laugh at, and <laughs> that's, all, that's all we have in this existence. <laughs> Um I mean, uh, these I, idiots I, I are d- Nazis, though. Yeah, so well, right, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, uh... <laughs> the unfortunate thing is that they're not all idiots. If they are all idiots, they'd
1: be a lot less threatening. But uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That was a, that was a that was actually one of my uh, lighthearted, like when we got to a kind of a, a a bummer note in part one, which if you haven't listened to on the Rupture Radio, feed, go listen to it. Uh, I I did want to remind everyone that if you ever feel bad about Italian politics and the rise of Italian fascism, you know, a thing that led to good things last time, um, (laughs) then check out Matteo Renzi trying to speak English. He legitimately sounds like Borat. Um, it's very funny. (laughs) Um, but on a similar note of hopefully some madness and chaos we can just laugh at a little bit before we're put on a list and killed, um... Let's, let's look at some of the, the, the anti-lockdown and uh, far-right in Ireland. Yes.
1: Um, so, yeah. like, you have insane elements in Ireland that you would have elsewhere. Because um, in Ireland, at the moment, unfortunately, you do have, like, a burgeoning far-right ecosystem, which ranges from, like, insane COVID truthers to, like, Yellow Vest Ireland, or Gemma o- Gemma O'Doherty's anti-corruption Ireland, and the latter one, like, believing in, like, chemtrails and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, and then you have, like, Catholic nationalists, like Scheel Neherin, which is another group, or to full-on mm-hmm. fascists, like the National Party, which are, like, actual Nazis. And all of these groups, like, rise and fall in prominence, kind of depending on the news cycle or whatever. Um, and at the start of lockdown, they kind of started things out on a fairly united uh, platform not platform but uh, united in terms of events events with the broadest of them Yellow Vest Ireland organizing mm. on like anti-establishment grounds and anti-lockdown grounds so like one week it would be a let Ireland live protest about like stopping <laughs> lockdown and then the next week would be something about the government Um and then you'd have like more sinister far right elements from the National Party or Sean Heron and having a presence at these things and taking people with into that circle, um, but they've actually broken apart now in like a semi funny controversy because the Yellow Vest is obviously like a completely bogus organization with shadowy links and financing and stuff so when they were setting up their website instead of like setting out terms and conditions or like information they just went onto Mm. Sinn Féin's website and copy and pasted all of their terms and conditions and all of their information onto their website and took out (laughs) Sinn Féin and put in the yellow vest but obviously that was noticed (laughs) by the other like (laughs) far-right groups who seen that it was like identical and instead of taking that as, like, oh, this is what they've done, they took it that it was a Sinn Féin-operated, like, PSYOP infiltrating (laughs) the far-right movement and, like, circumventing it back into Sinn Féin. And that is, like, what led to kind of a a break between the different groups now, but also that, like, Yellow Vest Ireland wasn't racist enough for the other groups. Like, Yellow Vest Ireland were having events where they tell, like, um, everyone from, uh, like, all people who are... um, like from different backgrounds national backgrounds bring your flags and we'll all have a freedom march with all of our flags and stuff and obviously the national party and all are like no we just want one flag and to kill all these people um so (laughs) that's obviously the ideological split between the yeah groups
0: like i I remember like on the the biggest day for the anti-lockdown protests there were literally two different ones because of this split and, like, you hear it, like, because, like, like, obviously, like, most of the people attending these anti-lockdown marches, like, don't really have any idea about, like, the people in charge of them. And, like, there were reports of people who were at the ones, like, organized by the National Party. National Party is run by Justin Barrett, like, who is, like, a literal yes, Nazi, fascist. like, just, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um and, like, the, you'd hear reports of, like, people would be, you know, at the anti-lockdown protests, like, listening to him 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 speak, and then suddenly he'd go off on a rant about, like, gay paedophiles, and they'd be like, wait, 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 what? What, 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 what the hell is <laughs> like he against you? the <laughs> government? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like, like, the amount of people on the anti-lockdown marches, like, has been scary to a, to, to, to a certain extent, but, like, I think the one kind of encouraging thing is, like, as of yes. I, I just I don't think there has been as coherent a far right move, movement or p- p- politically or electorally um or it doesn't look like there'll be one in the short term anyway um like there has been in a lot of other european countries um obviously a lot of that can change very, very very quickly but they're just they don't seem to have gotten quite the same traction um and I think part of the reason for that going back to what we were discussing earlier is that I think there is a sense in which in Féin does kind of absorb that kind of demographic. And there's a sense in which, because like uh, uh, Irish nationalism is a, well, it, it, it was originally anyway, like an anti-colonial nationalism, right? Like an anti-imperialist nationalism. I think mm-hmm. there is a sense in which that's a different beast to the nationalisms that would exist um in a lot of European countries, other European countries. Now, obviously that's not a full insurance against, like, a right-wing turn. Like, you just need to look at, like, India as an example of, like, where um, some anti-colonial nationalisms can go. Um, But at the moment, despite some of it being scary, I don't think they've gotten as much traction as they could do. And I think, like, Sinn Féin absorbing that demographic is kind of played out by recently there was, like, polls of... um, percentage of supporters of 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 um which parties would get the vaccine um and among all the kind of main parties including the socialist left parties like Sinn Fein was a much lower percentage it was like in the 50s whereas all the other main parties are in the 80s and 90s um right. but it, you know it it, it it is still a worry going forward because obviously there's a contradiction there that's going to have to come mm. come come to a head but um for the moment um it's not as scary as it could be I think yeah i know uh, uh i'm gonna turn to rob for a bit because he, he's been looking at justin barrett uh <laughs> with a little bit of terminal fascination but, <laughs> um, f- from my uh from my perspective like ireland is kind of at the because we did our episode in portugal recently and we we kind of talked about like kind of like never going into that it couldn't happen here mindset yeah, yeah. Um and like I always have to thought about that in Ireland because I, I had runs with like skinheads and the punk scene and stuff like yeah. that in Ireland. I was like I was very aware that like Irish far right attitudes did exist, even if I found them laughable because like compared compare to more like colon like uh colonizer European um countries, you know, there is always this golden age to return to and I like I don't know what that is in Ireland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what is the, like, what is the golden age that Ireland needs to return to? It's a, That's a question I don't think any of them have an answer for just yet or just ignore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at this, like, vast array of uh, gals and just kind of, like, I don't know, almost placing bets. Like, which one of you is going to take off? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the races. Let's see. Uh, my money uh, at the moment is kind of, like, Catholic nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um which for people who've been in like uh, my twitter when i started doing the like joe biden is a catholic nationalist jokes on twitter um, for people who don't understand that is that is that is distinctly separate from catholic republicanism yeah. i know it's confusing <laughs> but we're not talking about like the paramilitaries in northern ireland we're talking about like franco shit yeah that's like, exactly what yeah. means, franco
1: franco yeah. worship
0: yeah yeah, yeah uh so rob w- you've been looking w- at Justin. why
2: why did you single out justin I, I want to ask is it just is that he's been opportunistic with the with the anti-lockdown stuff like among the uh the array of right of ghouls as kieran put it uh, yeah. does does he stick out somehow I, he's definitely i think he's
1: repulsive and like repulsive yeah. <laughs> and, in, in yeah. terms of politics yeah. um presentation he's a very he has an man. uncanny look uh, yeah he's I've a, a been very napoleon-esque figure because i like settled a, on he,
2: he looks like Fred Armisen trying to do Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, I can see that's that. I, I can't, can't remember,
0: remember what he looks like, and all I'm envisioning is the bad guy from Ratatouille. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not far. Uh, um, yeah. But I, I think I think also he's just like he's a long-lasting kind of character. Yes. The, who's always been at the fringes of Irish politics like doing something nefarious like the 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 and, like the the anti-abortion stuff was his grift mm. up until this point like he was a founding member of the youth defense which you know despite being like steeped with like fascist connections was treated as like a semi-legitimate organization by media until the repeal campaign anyway um so he's kind of been present since then um we're like going going back to the 90s even um but that i think that that's one reason why we pick up on them and then like the national party is like the most like overtly fascist of 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 these groups as opposed to just being like you know generic right-wing authoritarian nationalist populist whatever you want to call it yeah yeah i'm sorry so the thing that strikes me though and maybe this is because i'm no longer on the ground but like of all the other kind of, like, far-right stuff that's happening in Ireland, the National Party seems to be the one that's trying to really put forward Justin Barrett as, like, a figurehead. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. if you quiz me, I don't really know who's the leader of Ireland's yellow vest. So,
1: yeah. it, it's interesting because, like, uh, the reason we focus on Justin Barrett and the National Party it seems like a more more coherent operation because it has like an ideological driving force which is fa- fascism um, but because of that they're obviously um, it, it, they're more potent in the initiatives that they do like um, but I diff like I differ in thinking that they'll take off I actually do think the Yellow Vest Ireland are a little bit more likely mm-hmm. to like they have been doing well through lockdown because they're more amorphous What drives a lot of people to fascism in Ireland and why it kind of gets funneled into... Or Sinn Féin takes that place a bit is, like, just frustration. Like, anti-establishment. Like, being stomped Mm. down for so long uh, through the governmental parties or just through the way Irish society is set up and looking for answers. And that obviously drives people to... Like a kind of progressive anti-establishment uh, rhetoric, which would have seen like highs in the socialist left coming, to, like coming to prominence during the water charges, or now to the far right with people getting frustrated, and obviously that's what caused the big turnout at the yellow vests. Um, but they don't really have like, uh, ca- like leadership. They do actually. I have a funny message here, uh, because they're also into like all that mad shit about like, um, uh, chemtrails and the lockdown being, um. I don't know for for other stuff I had a, messages from one of their their heads whose name is Mark mm. I won't say his second name because we just get fucking sued uh, And <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's too small a country it's too small a country we can't do this him. someone's related to him on this podcast uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, so, so Mark Dold Mark <laughs> dur- during the big like their big anti-lockdown stuff uh, or their big mm. like protect our children uh, marches and stuff like that uh, someone commented on one of his Facebook posts saying hi Mark did you know that Dublin City is laid out in an occult grid? All energies are harvested in this grid, and the spire is its latest addition. Mark responds, "To Des. yes." But it's something I try not to speak of in public. After all, I'm trying to waken those so asleep that anything of this sort would just go over their heads. Yeah. And then, then response: I think I know what you mean. The time calendar yeah. and specific areas can amplify energies of good intentions, <laughs> rife frequencies, yes. Medi- meditation yes. and prayer really work. We also need to be physical. And Mark responds, this, I ex- I agree with you in the extreme. This is something that I'm considering at all times, but it is not yet pre- Not yet the moment to bring this forward. So, this is like a taste of what's that, driving the that, it,
0: that is the good shit right yeah, there. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe. I, I don't know about the rest of the Irish uh, 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 cohort on this very call right now, but uh, I remember anti-spire discourse. For anyone who doesn't <laughs> you know, know, spire yeah. is a. <laughs> the spire is a relatively new monument in the center of Dublin. It's basically a large needle, uh, <laughs> and people were kind of like giving out about it because you know it wasn't very creative or yeah, like yeah. ornate monument or whatever. I don't give a fuck. It's a big tower that makes it's me sick funny. when I look directly up at it. Uh, I get vertigo when I look at it, but like uh, it's it's fine. And this is where anti-spire discourse went. <laughs> 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 this is the this is what happened weird irish make... nimbyism <laughs> just results <in> this results <laughs> when you make an
1: extremely uninspiring um like i uh, can't even I'll just like describe just like a, a cultural yeah. marker people start looking yeah. at it and when you wonder like what is this for that's how you get to occult grid shit that's how you start yeah. thinking yeah, yeah. that this must be harvesting spiritual energies in the city because there is nothing other than like it just looking yeah. like a giant toothpick in the middle of mm-hmm. dublin and also, like the like, it has the actual name. Of the spire does have
0: a bit of a culty name. The
1: spire, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Oh.
0: The actual name is the Monument of Light.
1: Oh,
2: really?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Actually, <laughs> He's right. Yeah, I'd forgotten <laughs> about that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Because I guess it's like I had to learn about this in art history class. I guess because it's like shiny or something. Uh, <laughs> if I you make it liked. shiny it's art everyone knows that. yeah and it was meant to be for the millennium but we like like everything in ireland that's a grand engineering project it was not done in time for the <laughs> <millennium>.
2: <laughs> i guess my thing with the with the right i mean we're we're preparing some some stuff on the on the on the far right in europe i guess you know uh walter benjamin said something about how fascism is just politics completely aestheticized right yeah and if that's yeah. the case then People are going to be like, well, I can either, you know, wring my hands over someone, you know, having a house party in my head, or I can think that there's like, uh, <laughs> Dublin's laid out A-lines. as a pentagram. Like, what's more, <laughs> what gives you more juice? If if you yeah. get to that stage, and I think the question, um, maybe to to back up and turn this into a question. Um, I remember when we talked about the Irish general election; it was pretty hopeful, right? I mean, mm. from an international uh, point of view, we're like, "Oh well, you know, not too good in the UK, but hey, look, something's happened in Ireland." You know, Sinn Féin got the most votes, um, mm. and I remember—I don't remember the exact uh, the exact details, Kieran. So you can correct me, but basically, yeah. uh Fáil, Fine Gael, and Greens coalition was like like the best outcome for like a future left electoral gains. Uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but
0: that was that was the hope then that like the left would stay in opposition i think my initial disappointment with the election was like how eager Sinn fein was to get in coalition Mm. with the monster parties and i was just like no shut the fuck up stay in opposition let them fuck up for a bit and you can come back stronger um and like work with the good parties that was kind (laughs) of like my um that was kind of like my ranting on twitter at the time but like like everything else in life, coronavirus lockdown has maybe changed that tra- trajectory a bit.
2: So, if on the one hand we have the potential for a left in opposition to 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 offer a real alternative uh, to the status quo. And we have the the pentagram uh, spectacle politics of the right. Where, where are we exactly? Where is where is Ireland? Would you say
0: on a scale of like uh, uh, anti capitalist uh, rhetoric to ley lines intersecting at the spire across from the, the second McDonald's on Connolly Street? I mean. Like the the thing is, like there are still like a lot of people in Ireland whose only interaction with politics is like reading the Irish Times, mm. and if you do that, uh, you're probably going to think like Finnegall pretty decent. So I like I I, I still kind of think it is likely that Sinn Fein will be in government uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I would say very possibly with one of the other left of center parties, maybe the Social Democrats. Um, but. It, 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 equally you could have Senegal doing really really well and and, and, and holding on to power but it, do, it does seem like even if even if Sinn Féin don't get into power next time round or let the left in general doesn't get into power next time round, the kind of medium term shift into having an opposition that is to some extent anyway based on a left versus right, I think I mean both myself and Dermid would probably well, would certainly agree that Sinn Fein aren't anywhere near as left as we would like them to be but that's still like a positive development I think in the context of Irish politics um obviously oh, yeah. that it's more of a, or at least it used to be the status quo in most European countries, but it was never the case in, in Ireland.
1: See, yeah. and there's like, um, so there's a lot of people who have like aspirations in Sinn Féin and it is positive to see that shift away from the traditional alteration of Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael every couple of years. But there's also like a long history in Ireland of um, hopes being put into parties, like Labour in 2000s uh, mm. would have been hoped to be the like, big next like left-wing force to change things and then uh they just ended up going into government with fina gale at the time or sorry with fina fall and obviously that led to the big issue um so there's (laughs) fina gale sorry (laughs) even i'm confusing them uh but like the question is like what is it for because a lot of the time you see left forces in um, in Ireland, move to the centre and fail to change anything, and that leads to that like depoliticisation of like a lot of our public, and um, and you would have had like a dropping amount of numbers of people voting uh, over time. So yeah. mm. I think the socialist left out of all of it recognised that like you do need to implement fundamental change to connect with people's aspirations and to actually like lift the boot off a lot of of people's necks um so that's probably where i'd look to for like the most promising thing and and it's in a stronger strong position it obviously would have um risen up from the water anti-water charges protests in Mm. the 2010s um so like how that how that portion of the uh, like, or the portion of the political sphere interacts with Sinn Fein going forward, and the people who have like yeah. aspirations in Sinn Fein, it's probably the biggest like focus or the most um, the most um, like interesting dynamic going forward. Yeah. I think.
0: And just add, I, I think the, the the Socialist Left was like quite prominent in like demanding yes. that Sinn Fein not to not to go into coalition mm-hmm. with Finucane or Fine Gael... Um, I mean, they voted for Mary Lou McDonald, Sinn Féin's leader, to be Taoiseach but was on on the basis that they would not um, go in with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. Um, and I think the, the it's interesting that you raised the Labour example as well there mm. because in 2011, had they stayed in opposition and forced Fianna Fáil to go into coalition with Fine Gael, they would have been in a very good position yeah. to, 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 to yeah. play the role that Sinn Féin are playing now. Um, but now they're like a completely... Kind of broken force in Irish politics, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Alan Kelly, their leader is honestly a bit of a joke <laughs> um, on on Irish Twitter. Anyway, but um, yeah, like I, it's I uh, guess I, I'm always just baffled every election of just like I was just baffled that Sinn Féin were even considering going into into bed with fall or Finnegall because it's just like how can you not look at the track yeah. record of every party that has worked mm. with them just being absolutely decimated, if yeah. not
1: the next election, but
0: forever. Yeah, yeah, and I exactly, mean, there's yeah. there's
1: even a danger on the other side that, like, if Sinn Féin uh, abandon, like, the radical platform that they have in some aspects, like, that you could just mm. end up with, like, a Syriza syndrome again, where they get into power with so many people invested in them, like, fundamentally changing the system or breaking with, like, the monstrous capitalist system that we have now, and they don't, and mm. then that leads to, like, a backlash. Uh, so it's, like, it is important that... That uh, I think that it's like maintained that like the issue is not just who's in government but also what like what mission like what platform yeah. that they're running on what are they seeking to actually do and that's like always been the stumbling block in ireland as it is with like lots of other countries too
0: yeah for anyone who has their uh, their their bingo cards at home i'm going to say the word Sinn fein needs to avoid pacification yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> mark it off the podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i said the wanky words that i thought would like get me attention when i first entered <laughs> left politics yeah uh, <laughs> um Right. Well, I, I think that's... Uh, unless Rob has any final points, I, I think that's a pretty good comprehens- comprehensive look at where Ireland is. Uh, I'm, uh,
2: I'm forced to ask this is definitely the American yeah. point of view where, um, you know, Sinn Féin is, is great, is awesome, and everyone loves the post, the Star Trek meme of Irish reunification. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what are the yeah. prospects? It can be... It can be brief,
1: <laughs> Irish reunification? I mean, uh, like, I think oh, a I border the is likely in the next ten years. Um well, I, I don't know, because there's also, like, left Republicans who will say a border poll will never be given by the UK, and, and like, it's their... It benefits them to draw out the process as long as possible um, as they would have mm. done because they still do have interests in Ireland uh, it, it still does benefit them to an extent um, so honestly it's up in the air I think there's there's definitely in my view a majority aspiration for United Ireland among like youth layers and the working class and things like that so, so it's certainly a push for it but <laughs> your guess is as good as mine in, in whether maybe Michael yeah. knows
0: yeah, just to, to add to this, like, I, I think whilst the, the, the Conservatives in the UK sort of, like, pay lip service to really caring about the Union, like, most of their voters don't care about Northern yeah. Ireland. That's just the, that, that that is the case. And I think eventually, well, maybe I'm being optimistic here, but I do think eventually the Unionists in the North may realise that. But also demographically in the next 10 years, it does seem likely there will be... A majority in favor of it and um, the other kind of um variable is scottish independence Um, if scotland becomes independent i think united ireland becomes much more likely because partially because the main link that the unionists actually have to the uk is from scotland rather than england mm-hmm. so when that is severed from from the uk i th- i just think that they're it's, it's it's more likely to be to 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 be accepted um but I like i i think it's likely i'm going to say next 15 years rather than next 10 years but there's still a question there there's so many questions of to like how, as to like how it happens do we avoid mm. vi- violence in in the aftermath or in in the lead up to to a border poll like what do you do with this rump of, of unionists if if it does happen there's yeah. there's so many questions to, to to answer before we get there but i'd be well, I- optimistic i think i'll i'll go back to the solution that no one asked for that was brought up by uh, a lord in the house of lords ages ago uh, in the 90s And <laughs> we talked about in the podcast we moved the entire population of hong kong to <laughs> <Northern Ireland. laughs> which has only become uh, less of a solution over time like <laughs> yeah a bad solution then
1: it's an even worse solution now
0: all right, look, good Friday agreement, sitting down at the table and talking to people about the troubles. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> Introduce <laughs> a bunch of, a substantial population of confused Hong Kongers <laughs> into the mix. It's... <laughs> I, just I, hands. That's the end of that chat. I actually,
2: I wasn't on that episode. Is that like a partner swap situation where Northern Ireland goes to Hong Kong? Yes, yeah, wife the swap, swap the
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, just imagine these like confused Hong Kongers just like walking down the Falls Road in Belfast. Just be like, <laughs> what? The? look look we've we've recreated we've we've remade we've remade the city of hong kong it's on lachnay now this this port doesn't really go anywhere but have at it i love that cantonese food keep doing what you're doing guys um uh, yeah I, I I like the wife swap idea of just like an entire population of like <laughs> Ulster Protestants just yeah. being sent to like the South China Sea being like what the fuck are we doing? Here?
1: We have a we have a tradition of just like after the crash swapping entire portions of our population mainly the youths, all to other countries in Europe care oh can yeah, speak to yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah. Up, rain, <laughs> That's what, let's
0: Oh no no no! For the entire Euro crisis, I was in Disneyland. It was fine. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing traumatic happened. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, on that note. Uh, I, I think we'll wrap up this podcast. Where Chris. can uh, the c- regular Cornish media listeners find your fine voices and other good Irish things to uh, uh, to talk about? Ooh, so to.
1: Rupture Radio on Twitter. Uh, Rupture Radio and then a little underscore, I think could be linked in the episode description maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that's a partner podcast of Rupture Magazine, which has our eco-socialist quarterly, which comes out every four months. There's another one coming out in March that has like um, kind of... Marxist content but also eco-socialist and different viewpoints from uh, around uh, the world and other than that I think that's probably Michael did I miss anything? No oh, Rise check that, that out that Rise Rise is a yeah. good political party which me and Michael <laughs> are a part of and also Link to Rupture yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: uh, if you're a French person listening to this, commit voter fraud. Go vote <laughs> <go> for Rise. <laughs> That's the official position of this podcast. <laughs> we
1: want to set up a branch in your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, this was like a huge uh, huge spike in Rise Paris. <laughs> <laughs> There's the open yeah. Fuck yeah. Melanchon. Yeah. Uh Paul just wearing a beret Paul Murphy with a scarf nobody's going to get any of these jokes except maybe Oh uh, no I, I really
0: like the idea of just like Paul Murphy's political career ending just as as he becomes president of France because he didn't know Cuisine de France wasn't actually a French company <laughs> <laughs> Common mistake. I made it in Ireland all the time. They uh, told me it was a French company. It's not. Yeah. It's a lie. It's a sham. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it based? Ireland it's Irish. Oh, it is Irish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like Dutch yeah. Dutch gold isn't actually Dutch as well. Which it's is. Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time. Um, yeah. There's no sheep in Kerry. Or there's no sorry. There's no uh, there's no cows in Kerry. There's sheep in Kerry. Kerry gold is a lie. <laughs> um, Alright. And on that note, uh, that has been a regular episode of Cornish Beatty. The theme song is by New Dawn by Melty Brains, proud Irish band. Uh, listen sure? to them So, and uh, uh, I remember to shout out their uh, song so that they don't get mad at me. <laughs> and catch you next week. Follow Rupture Radio. Follow all of these lovely people on Twitter. Do that. Do that now.
1: Thanks a million. Bye. See you Bye. later. <laughs> Bye-bye.